You know, in few places of the Bible is there more packed in to a couple sentences or a few sentences than this one. My, oh my. And this is where I'm very grateful to share with you seminary. I, I was so blessed to have many, many courses in seminary on Scripture, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, and some great teachers, both at Holy Apostles and at Dominican House Seminary. And these really helped me to understand what's happening. Now, when you read that passage, you're just like, what is this? What's this got to do with the queen and queen of the south and Solomon and, um, and Jonah? And why is he angry? It just doesn't seem to make sense. So let's try to unpack some of this here. Basically, the Jews wanted signs from those who claimed to be messengers of God. Jesus is claiming, obviously, to be a messenger of God. So they desired to see something great. You know, we, we're still like this. We want to see a miracle, right? We want to see a miracle. We look for great signs. And sometimes God says, no, like here, you already have your miracle in Jonah and in, 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 in listen to him. Well, anyway, God shows himself, but sometimes he does give miracles like Mary at the miracle of the sun. But anyway, God shows himself in everyday events. You want to see the greatest miracle of all ever? It's about ready to happen in a few minutes on this altar. It's the greatest miracle in the history of mankind. And it happens every day at every mass. You don't need to look any further. And there's even scientific miracles with that, about the blood being human blood and heart tissue. All right, so Jesus calls the Jews an evil and adulterous generation. Let's, let's unpack this, as Father Kazoe says. Let's unpack this. All right, basically, they're adulterous, not in the literal sense that they're out having sexual relations outside of marriage, but basically, they weren't faithful to God. Remember, the Bible's about a marriage. The Bible is about a marriage. God is the husband and Israel is the bride. That's now become the church. So Israel was unfaithful to her spouse, to God. Why? Because they had other gods. And so this was considered adulterous. This was worse than physical adultery in some ways because it's an infidelity to God, not just your spouse. All right, so now, Jesus is saying, you're asking for a sign. I am God's sign. Is basically what Jesus is saying here. And you're failing to recognize me. Now, why does he bring in Jonah and Solomon? Okay, very important. <coughs> in Nineveh, <coughs> excuse me, Nineveh, which is modern day Iraq, which is interesting, Jonah came. And the people there recognized God's warning in Jonah. They listened to Jonah. They did. Then it talks about the queen of the south. Who's the queen of the south? The queen of Sheba. You may have heard that expression before. The queen of Sheba. That's now Yemen. That's modern day Yemen. She, that area recognized God's wisdom in Solomon. The queen of Sheba came all the way over to meet Solomon. And she recognized Solomon. So the people in Nineveh recognized Jonah. Jonah taught to them. They listened. The Queen of Sheba goes to see Solomon, recognizes wisdom. This is all interesting. And Jesus says, but in me, there's somebody greater than Solomon. 
or Jonah. In me is a greater message than what Jonah brought to Nineveh or the wisdom of Solomon, but you don't see it. So you see the point here why these are, are coming into the passage? I learned all this in seminary. This is why I love sharing this with you guys. I get my seminary notes out. And this is good stuff. So these old people of Nineveh and the Queen of Sheba recognize the signs that you guys aren't, Jesus is telling them. So they're going to judge you. They're going to judge you. Jesus' greatest sign of all will be his resurrection on the third day, which he talks about. He says the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. And why three nights? He was only in there Friday night and Saturday night. I'll talk about that in a second. All right, so Jonah, it says, was three days and three nights inside the stomach. Now here it says whale, but actually it's big fish. That's the translation. So it could have been a shark, not necessarily a whale. So Jonah and this fish, okay, this is interesting, maybe explain because, you know, um, one of the whales that could actually hold a human being and live is a sperm whale. Now people say, well, that doesn't work, Father, that just proves the Bible, there's no sperm whales in the Mediterranean. Actually, in the days of the Romans, there was. The Romans hunted them to extinction in the Mediterranean. But sperm whales did live there the type of animal that could swallow a human being. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, it's interesting because right here in Massachusetts, back in 1891, there was a guy named James Bartley who fell overboard and was swallowed by a sperm whale for 36 hours and actually came out alive. So kind of interesting, huh? So anyway, as Jonah was dead and then alive again, so Jesus too will be dead and alive again. Jesus was telling them that he would die and in three days be alive again. He says it right here. But back to my question about the three nights. Why does Jesus say the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights? It was only Friday night and Saturday night. All right, this is interesting, sharing my seminary with you. It's not, in Jewish tradition, three whole days and three whole nights, like we think of it, but any part, any part. So Jesus was in the tomb part of Friday, part of Saturday, and part of Sunday. Doesn't matter the whole day, just part of it. He was crucified at 3 o'clock or noon and then died at 3 o'clock on Friday, put into the tomb, so he was in there part of Friday. He was in there Saturday, the whole day, and then he resurrected Sunday morning, so he was in there part of Sunday. Those are three days, and the Jewish tradition, when you say three days, you automatically include three days and three nights. It just always is an, it's like an expression. And so this is very, very interesting. So um, Jonah preached the word of God to those in Nineveh, and they repented. So Jesus is like, wait a minute here. There's something greater than Jonah, me. And if they repented with Jonah and you're not repenting with me, what's the issue? Well, is it because Jesus didn't do a good a job? No. Jonah preached in Nineveh for only 40 days. Christ preached to the Jews for three years. 
Jonah didn't do any miracles. Jesus did several. The people of Nineveh repented without a sign. But the Jews are demanding a sign. Don't we sound kind of like the Jews? Show me. I don't see this. I don't believe it. Where's the scientific proof? They did not believe him. And they did not accept him. And they had a lot more evidence than the people of Nineveh with Jonah. So this is why at the time of judgment, the people of Nineveh will show the Jews guilty. That's why Jesus said they will judge you. Now Jesus mentions the queen of Sheba or the queen from the south. All right. She's the one who heard Solomon's wisdom and came all the way across the known world to see him. Now, God is showing more wisdom here than Solomon. Why? Because Jesus is wisdom itself. Solomon had wisdom, but Jesus is wisdom itself. But the Jews who saw Jesus didn't believe him. So it's the exact same thing with Jonah. All right? At the time of the judgment, the queen of Sheba will charge them as guilty because she heard just a fraction of wisdom from Solomon and she believed and all the Jews hear wisdom itself, and they do not believe. He says something greater than Solomon is here. Wow, this is interesting because Solomon was, who was Solomon? Literally, he was the son of David. He was his biological son, Solomon, right? Now, one of the great messianic titles of Jesus is what? The son of David, how interesting. Solomon was the literal son of David, yet as the Messiah, Jesus is the son of David, Jesus was a much greater son of David than Solomon was. And yet the Jews don't see it, don't believe it. But the Queen of Sheba did, so she will judge them. So I don't know if this is making sense, but it made sense to me when this was discussed in seminary. And to finish, images of the Ninevites, to Jonah, and the Queen of Sheba condemning the Jews, just thinking about this, would have scared them to death. Jesus telling them, you're going to be judged <clears throat> by a Gentile, the Queen of Sheba, that would have scared them to death. They expected Israel would be vindicated against all other nations on Judgment Day, not to be judged, they saw that they would be totally vindicated, not held accountable. And we as Catholics can somehow fall into that. Well, we have the fullness of the truth. We're vindicated. Man, be careful because the Jews were the chosen people. And look what Jesus, Jesus is saying to them. So Jesus' claim to be greater than Israel's richest and wisest king, Solomon, was audacious. They would have looked at that and said, who are you? And then showing repentant Gentiles like the Queen of Sheba. Matthew is emphasizing the Gentiles have a place, which also would have shocked the Jews. This is amazing. Remember, to those who know little like little children, the Ninevites or the Queen of Sheba, they're often the most responsive to God the ones who only have a fraction. 
I, God bless our Protestant brothers and sisters. You know, a, a lot of times I always point out that they don't have the true doctrine and, and we do. But you know what? The Protestants do twice as much with half the truth in a lot of cases. Not always. But one of the reasons I found my faith is I went down to North Carolina. I was this lapsadaisical Catholic in Michigan, living in Buffalo for a while, working, living in Michigan. Everybody was Catholic, but nobody was on fire. I go down to North Carolina, nobody was Catholic, but everybody was on fire. And I caught fire about my faith because I saw these Protestants reveling in, in their half-truths. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's not even true. But look how excited they're getting. And I caught fire with our faith when I really combined the two. And this is what I think Jesus is pointing out. There's a place <clears throat> for them in God's plan because they have zeal. Half the truth and they got twice the zeal. We can learn something from this. Jonah and the Queen of Sheba had half the truth as the Jews, but they had twice the zeal. They weren't questioning Jesus and dismissing Jesus and failing to believe in Jesus. They embraced him. So let's not be prideful, especially as Catholics. Um, we need to recognize our brokenness, our need for God's mercy, and most of all, the fact that nobody, if the Jews as the chosen people, are guaranteed heaven, neither are we. Salvation is daily. Salvation is daily conversion. Every day you get up, you have to make that morning offering. Lord, I give everything to you today. Now, don't be afraid when people say, well, Father, I'm really not going to do that because, man, I've done some really bad things in my life. We all have. You know, it was interesting this week, and I had a talk with somebody about confession. And they came up to me afterwards out in the parking lot and said, Father, I've really done some bad things in my life, and I was living in a state of sin. Did my prayers have merits? Did my prayers have any power when I was in a state of mortal sin? That's a great question. Do your prayers have any power when you are in the state of mortal sin? So she, basically, person said, at this length of time, I was not in a state of grace. What happened to my prayers then? That's a great question. And the answer is actually that is true. We don't have any merit when we're not in the state of grace. All those prayers don't have merit. Well, then why pray, Father? Here's why you pray. Because do you know that when you go to confession and you confess those sins, you are now back in a state of grace and all those prayers, all those merits, all those graces come back. They come back. It's almost like having a piggy bank. In your room, it's not doing any good, but you're filling it, you're filling it. Then one day you take it in and you cash it in. Now, you're not in a state of grace. Your prayers are kind of like put in a piggy bank. Then when you go to confession and you get forgiven, that piggy bank is broken open and it all spreads. So that's the power of confession, repentance. And what was Jesus pointing out to the Jews? If this message would have been told that you're hearing 
to Tyre or Sidon or Nineveh or the Queen of Sheba, they would have repented. He said Tyre and Sidon would have repented. Actually, Nineveh did repent. They sat in sackcloth and ashes. So what a great message this is. Great, great message. Let us not forget that Christ in this gospel has something especially for us Catholics. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.